Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 69, and I'm drinking Bailey's Irish Cream. With each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Bailey's on this episode because it spawned a whole category of cream-based liqueurs. My wife adores it, I quite like it, and it has got a great story rooted in marketing, which I do professionally as my day job. And so I figured, Bailey's, your time has come, you get an episode. So here we go. The bottle I have for the tasting is a standard 750 milliliters. It is 17% alcohol by volume, making it 34 proof. And it retails here in my home state of Oregon for $29. The bottle appears almost black. It might technically be a really dark brown, but it looks essentially black. It's got a long neck, which I like. It's widest at the shoulder, and it slightly tapers down to the base. Centered on the slope of the shoulder is a gold-foiled emblem that's comprised of intertwined capital Bs. One is backing the other. The front label is rather simple. It just reads Bailey's over a kind of a watercolor pastoral scene of lush green hills, a couple trees around a river. And then below this, the text, the original, Irish cream, product of Ireland. And over the product of Ireland, it's rather faint, but there is a signature of R.A. Bailey. The back label is just legal stuff, and the top is a metal screw cap. It's gold at the top and mostly black down on the neck. Okay, let's drink it. Going to open this bottle. (laughs) Nice crack. As always, I am tasting this with a clean Glencairn. It's a whiskey nosing glass, ideal for sampling a spirit, enjoying it. You can see it, you can smell it, you can swirl it and sip it. Let's go for a pour. In the glass, it's obviously very creamy. It is brown, coats the glass as you swirl it. Yeah, looks like Bailey's, and slightly like a weak chocolate milk, if you've never seen it. And on the nose, really light proof, so you're not going to get a whiff of ethanol that burns the nostrils. This is, you can feel a little warming, but it's only 17% ABV, so it's not bad. It's got a pleasant toffee smell. There's some vanilla... I can get the whiskey out of it a little bit. Perhaps some chocolate, but it really toffee is how I would describe it. Kind of caramel. Now the best part, let's try it on the palate. Going for a taste. It's sweet. It is It is very good, actually. Uh, Bailey's is super popular for a reason. It is really delightful. I definitely pick up the flavor of the spirit. I get some of the astringency of the whiskey more on the finish and the swallow. The cream really coats the mouth, and that's what you get first. A sweet cream flavor, little chocolatey, little vanilla, but it's very creamy. And the whiskey backs that up. Let's try it again. Mm. 
And Bailey's is a rather simple product, so it doesn't really take a whole lot more explanation than that. It's sweet chocolate vanilla cream with whiskey. That's what it tastes like. Now let's talk history. Bailey's is ubiquitous now, with myriad copycats and having spawned an entire category of cream-based liqueurs. But when it was invented in 1973, it was a true innovation that worked in part due to luck, naivete, and confidence. Bailey's has been, for most of the last few years, the best-selling liqueur in the world, with sales around near 7.5 million cases worldwide. That's 9-liter equivalent cases. So that's big volume. And to a consumer today, it seems rather obvious to mix cream with whiskey, throw in some sugar, a bit of chocolate, and create a drink. It's damn near a bottled cocktail, to be honest, but the magic of Bailey's is that it's shelf-stable without requiring refrigeration for up to two years. You can't do that with just any old cream. So how did something that's so popular today come to be? How was there ever a time when the world did not have Bailey's Irish cream? Well, the story goes that Bailey's was created in 45 minutes flat, from the 30-second thought of the idea to execution of a prototype bottle. Perhaps more amazing than the speed of creation was the fact that the two men responsible for its first pass at it had never before created a spirits brand, and were in fact advertising men not even two months into their own consulting venture. Ultimately, they'd be paid no more than 3,000 British pounds for the creation of Bailey's. Failure could have happened at least a dozen times along the way to Bailey's reaching store shelves in late 1974, and it wasn't a sure hit for at least a few years after that. In fact, when Bailey's was introduced to a prominent distributor in the U.S., he famously was quoted as saying, That shit will never sell. Well, sell it did. But Bailey's is perhaps more endearing to those who know the origin story. So let's count you, my listener, in as one of those in the know, and I'll get to the details. Many people were involved in bringing Bailey's to market, but the two idea men that came up with it are David Gluckman and Hugh Reed Seymour Davies, with David playing the lead role. There was, however, someone who had to believe in it and buy the idea. This was the renowned spirits personality, Tom Jago, head of product development for International Distillers and Vintners. Among some of Tom's other claims to fame include the creation of Malibu, which I featured in episode 48. Tom Jago had hired David and Hugh and given them the vaguest and simplest of briefs on a creative project of brand creation. Referred to by David Gluckman as the Irish Brief, IDV's company in Ireland, Glibbies of Ireland, had struck a deal with the Irish government for a 10 or 15 year tax holiday on any new Irish export product. This was in a bid to get the Irish economy going and transition away from some agriculture. Or perhaps the government had already come up with this scheme and Gilby's of Ireland just sought to capitalize on it. So the Irish brief was something that David Gluckman said had come up in casual conversation with Tom Jago to create a new alcoholic drink for export. The only caveat had been to try and avoid using too much Irish whiskey because IDF didn't have great supply relationships at the time. But otherwise, there weren't really any parameters. So, on a Monday morning in 1973, when Hugh was still getting his bearings and letting his first cup of coffee kick in, David asked him what they should do about the Irish brief. After chatting for a bit, David's prior experience came up into the conversation, that being the role he had played in the 1960s in the creation of Kerrygold Butter. Kerrygold Butter is still a popular Irish export product today. 
David wondered aloud if his Kerrygold experience could lend anything to the problem, reportedly saying, Is there something in Ireland's reputation for dairy produce that can apply to an alcoholic drink? All those lush green, rain-sodden pastures and contented cows. His partner Hugh posited, What would happen if we mixed Irish whiskey and cream? The pair left their office for the corner store, bought a bottle of Jameson Irish whiskey, and listened to episode 45 for the Jameson story, a tub of cream, and went back to their desk to mix it. It wasn't great. They added some sugar, and that made it better, but it still needed something to make it good. So back they went to the store, looking for an ingredient to give their concoction some life. The missing piece was Cadbury's powdered drinking chocolate. For those of us in the U.S., think Swiss Miss hot chocolate mix or Hershey's powdered cocoa. The addition of the chocolate to the whiskey, cream, and sugar did the trick. They poured it into a cleaned-out Schweppes tonic bottle and called their client Tom Jago to share it with him immediately. Hugh stayed behind, but David took the bottle of prototype Bailey's to Tom's office, and within an hour, Tom was sampling it. Tom liked it immediately, and David credits Tom with having the guts, or vision, or both, to continue development and pitch it to the Gilbys of Ireland team. Gilby's had an R&D lab about 40 miles north of London, and David and Tom took the prototype bottle there, about five days later, to present the idea. A man named Mac McPherson, who was second in command, would become the technical lead on turning Bailey's into a product that could be successfully bottled and sold without being churned into butter in transport, which apparently happened to some early bottles where shaking of the cream caused it to begin to form butter. It did take some convincing to get the team at the lab to take it on. David Gluckman recounts how they spent the whole morning touring the facility, sampling wines, because IDF was big into wines, and finally, after lunch that had included more wine, they finally sampled the prototype Baileys. Mac McPherson gave a nod to David and Tom, nothing more, but with that hint of approval, they took on the project to try and refine it. The decision was made to have Bailey's fully baked, as it were, before presenting the idea to the decision makers at Gilby's of Ireland. So the first thing they did was set out to name it. David knew from his Kerrygold butter days that a family name may be better than a place name, and they wanted an Anglo-Irish name so it didn't sound too quaint. They found a winner when David and Hugh were looking for more permanent office space, and it happened to be near a restaurant named Bailey's Bistro. Bailey's fit and they dubbed the drink as such. They also went with more of a descriptive name and quickly settled on Bailey's Irish Cream Chocolate Liqueur. Next, they needed packaging, and the team wisely decided against suggesting right out of the gate a new bottle, as the new molds and design would be a detractor from the pitch. So Tom Jago found an existing whiskey bottle that IDF distributed that would work. It was Redbreast. They also needed an address for the brand, though, and David came up with the Dairy Distillery, County Monaghan. For the label, David called on the husband of their secretary, a graphic designer named Bob Wagner. David gave him a very Kerrygold brief on the design. Contented cows, lush pastures, rustic, idyllic Ireland. A few days later, Bob delivered about 20 designs, one of which was spot-on perfect and the current label still maintains the spirit of that first design. And usually for a product pitch to a management team, some marker comp mock-ups providing a convincing representation of the final product would suffice. This was the days before computer graphics. Things were done by hand, and artists like Bob Wagner would literally draw a design and then color it with a whole host of special colored marker pens, creating a marker comp or a 
convincing representation of a final product. However, Tom Jago seemed to be betting big on Bailey's because they went all out with full production of labels on the models just for the pitch. And this was, again, before digital production, so they would have had to make printing plates, it would have been offset printing, and quite a bit of expense would have gone into this. But with real labels, this was more than a mock-up. These were prototypes. The team also did a bit of light market research, something that wasn't really done much in the early 1970s, but they did do a few focus groups where everyone seemed to not like the product. They certainly said they didn't like it. They thought it was a girly drink, or they even compared it to an anti-diarrheal medicine sold in the UK. But everybody drank all the Baileys that they were offered. The team didn't reference the focus group research during their pitch, and they were never asked about it either. They also placed a few bottles at a local bar and invited the bars to charge whatever they could get for Bailey's and see if anybody even ordered it. After a while of no sales, David checked in with the bar noting one of the bottles had disappeared. Fearing the owner had removed it to make room for something that would sell, he was delighted to hear that a pair of police officers had come in one afternoon and demolished the whole bottle between them. When the time came to travel to Dublin to make the pitch to the team of Gilbys of Ireland, they had three fully dressed bottles with real labels filled with some Baileys that had been refined at the lab north of London, and it was reasonably shelf-stable. Tom Jago apparently fashioned gold wax seals on the shoulders of each bottle to help seal the deal. The Gilbys team in Ireland was led by Chief Executive David Dand. Tom Jago and David Gluckman pitched Baileys to David Dand and his team. The response was enthusiastic. David Dand deserves credit for Baileys as well because he bought the fully baked idea from Tom and David. And then he had to commit significant resources to a new production plant to make it, plus money for marketing and a product launch. And it could have gone poorly. Folks on the Gilby's team thought it wasn't for the Irish market, and it would be a challenge to sell. They did really take ownership over Bailey's and started to make a few changes to make it their own. One of the first things they did was they removed chocolate from the name. David Dane did get a bit of cold feet on the name Bailey's in July of 1974 and reportedly called David Gluckman for counsel. They needed more than a name. It needed initials at least for the made-up Mr. or Mrs. Bailey's. And Gluckman happened to be reading a newspaper. In the paper, there was a headline touting the local golf governing body, which was referred to as RNA. So he said, how do you like the sound of RNA Bailey? I love it, was the response. And hence, R.A. Bailey signature is on the bottle to this day. Entirely made up. Tom Jago originally thought Bailey's could be a good replacement for a Dutch egg liqueur that was often mixed with lemonade. So they tried Bailey's with lemonade, the fizzy kind in the UK that in the US we'd refer to more as a soda, perhaps like a lemon-lime soda. Well, the cream curdled with the citrus. It was not pleasant. So Bailey's was slightly reformulated to not really be mixable in that manner and recommended that it not be mixed with strong acids like citrus. Bailey's launched first in the UK and then reluctantly Ireland the year later in 1975. Around this time... A sales manager showed a bottle of Bailey's to the U.S. distributor, and he tried it, and he gave his quip about it never selling, but of course it did. Bailey's first real success came from Australia. The country got a taste for Bailey's when an entire container was shipped in, and it literally flew off the shelves. 
Retailers couldn't keep it in stock and they put up signs saying it'll be in stock next week or so and get your orders in now before it sells out. Five years after introduction, Bailey's had attracted dozens of competitors and copycats around the world. Some like Carolans out of Ireland are still around today. All of these competitors and copycats by and large looking like Bailey's in form and function. But Bailey's was first and the category leader who created the category. Bailey's today is available in the original Irish cream, plus a host of other flavors, some of which are seasonal. Think pumpkin spice. Bailey's is owned by Diageo today as a result of mergers and acquisitions. So that's the story. Let's talk about how it's made. The magic in the product is that it's shelf-stable. It is primarily cream. It is mostly cream, actually, in the bottle. By volume, it's more than 50% Irish cream. But Bailey's isn't distilled. It's assembled from finished Irish whiskey, which is supplied by Bushmills or Irish distillers as of 2015, and at least 200 million liters of fresh Irish cream that are supplied by more than 1,500 Irish farms. There's sugar burnt sugar or caramel, some neutral spirit, vanilla, and chocolate. Some of these components are pre-assembled, so to speak, into the Bailey's flavor, which is a flavoring made for Bailey's by a company in the south of France. It's made from the vanilla beans that are sourced from Madagascar and the West African sourced chocolates. My hunch is the neutral spirit may come into play here as well. I'm not sure. The Bailey's flavor is added to the cream and whiskey, and so it's likely got sugar in it, or they may add more sugar as well. But simply mixing these simple ingredients in the right proportions will not give you Bailey's, unless you have done the right steps in processing the cream first. This step is crucial to the two-year shelf stability of the product, and what keeps it from separating or turning to butter. The key they had to figure out all those years ago at the R&D lab was to homogenize the cream to allow it to form a stable emulsion with the whiskey and other ingredients. By homogenizing the cream, they were making all the fat globules very small and consistently sized. So they would resist coalescing or clumping together and separating out from the alcohol. They also use an emulsifier said to contain refined vegetable oil. And an emulsifier is something that allows fat and waters to mix evenly. Based upon their chemical properties, the emulsifier may have one end that likes to bond with lipid or a fat, and the other that likes to bond with water. So adding the emulsifier to the mix keeps the dissimilar fluids evenly dispersed, giving you the creamy, boozy, sweet Baileys we enjoy today. The alcohol content of the whiskey acts as the primary preserver of the cream as there are no preservatives added to the product. The science for making a cream-based liqueur is now well understood, and as mentioned before, there's numerous cream-based spirits available today. So on to cocktails and consumption. I could talk at length about all of the uses for Bailey's. Bailey's is great on the rocks, just neat on its own. Bartenders have experimented with it. It has lent itself to innumerable cocktails. But Bailey's also has a place in the kitchen, being added to desserts and many other dishes. It can often be simply substituted for milk in a recipe for a sweet, chocolatey, little vanilla whiskey kick. The alcohol tends to cook off in most cases as well, so it's safe to give to the kids. So in summary, what do I think of Bailey's Irish Cream? First off, I have to call out my primary source for this episode on the history of the brand, that being David Gluckman's story he recounts in his book, That Shit Will Never Sell, along with an article I'll reference in show notes from the Irish Times. But for Bailey's, 
you got to hand it to them. They figured out how to combine cream and alcohol, keep it together, put it in a bottle. You don't have to refrigerate it. You can ship it around and jostle it up, and it stays as you would expect. I also love the story, the creation story. I can almost envision myself in a different life having been the guy that said, yeah, let's go for it. Let's try it. Let's mix some stuff up. It almost seems that in hindsight or from my perspective here in 2021, that there was more opportunity back in 1973 because cream liqueurs did not exist. I struggle to think what kind of category doesn't exist now that could be filled by a niche of a whole new liqueur. Maybe there's one. I don't know. Perhaps five, ten years from now, I might be recording an episode saying, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of making such and such? But in all honesty, I, <laughs> it's, it's so amazing, the invention of something new. And I've worked with a number of inventors and innovators in my professional career. And the hallmark of a truly great invention is an idea that is so just perfect. You say to yourself, why didn't I think of that? It seems so obvious, but it takes somebody with experience and the right domain expertise to look at a problem that everybody else sees and say, hey, why don't we do it like this? The R&D lab for IDF had tried various Irish liqueurs. They had done options by adding honey to Irish whiskey or, or heather, you know, to try and make a more traditional Irish liqueur, something along the lines of maybe a drambuie, but they hadn't really caught on anything good. And it took an outsider from the spirits industry, David Gluckman and his partner, to really say, hey, you know, I've got all this dairy experience that he had gained working on Kerrygold Irish butter. And he said, can I take this other product experience and apply it to this new problem? And the fact that they created it in 45 minutes really relied on their expertise and the ability to have that experience before to say, yeah, with, with the butter, this is the path we went down to make Kerrygold. And they could apply that experience to Bailey's. And that's why 45 minutes makes sense. Similarly, Tom Jago, he had a lot of experience in creation of brands at this point, and he saw something that was novel, innovative, must have tasted good enough, at least. You know, it's good, it's sweet, it's boozy. I'm sure if you concocted your own, YouTube is full of do-it-yourself, homemade Bailey's recipes. So, I mean, even today, you can cook up your own batch. There's not a whole lot to it, but the bottled commercial product, Bailey's, it's hard to beat the shelf stability. Refrigerate it if you like, but you don't have to. I just opened this tonight. It'll be good in two years still. Anyway, so the story of Bailey's creation, there was a lot of betting on the future. They Again, when they pitched it, the guys at Gilby's Ireland that bought it didn't ask about market research. Did you test this? Will it sell? No, they said, this is good. Let's go for it. And they built a whole factory and, and really refined the homogenization process and everything. I mean, it, it was not just like making a another whiskey or a gin or, or some traditional liqueur with a known process. They actually created the category of cream liqueur. So it could have failed. It maybe wouldn't have worked. Anyway, <laughs> it tastes great. It's it's a good story. I finally kind of tackled Bailey's. It's one that 
of course, has always been on the list, I felt like I need to cover Bailey's before I get into some other cream liqueurs. And I've got a list of them because liquor in the core, connoisseur, I like all spirits, except the Uzo was not really my thing. I appreciate it, but it's not something I'm going to drink a lot. Bailey's, on the other hand, this bottle will not last two years. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcast platform. This show's also on social media. I've been growing my Instagram followers quite a bit. Make sure you're following me there. I post there most frequently. Also on Facebook, but I'm most engaged on Instagram. I always love hearing from my listeners, so if you've got a spirit you'd like me to try and feature on an upcoming episode, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening.